Good evening. Welcome to Element City Church. As people are making their way in, we are so thrilled to have you here and have you joining us online. In fact, if you are online, we're saying hi to you and waving to you from here. Hello, hello. Uh, we'd love to connect with you, especially if you're new. So if you're online and you're new, we'd love for you to click the connection card that is on the top left of your screen or top right when you're looking at it, and uh, you can fill that out. Uh, if you are new here in the house, we'd love to connect with you, and you can do that in a couple different ways. You can download our free app, uh, which I know I've already talked to someone who's done that, and you can just fill out the connection card right from the app, or you can text the word hello to our text number, which is 520-340-6868. And then you can just get a couple texts from there, and we will be connected. If you are new, we'd love to meet you at the 10-minute party in the back, uh, right at the end of service. And so make sure to, I would love to just meet you there. We've got the best kettle corn this side of the Grand Canyon. I know people compete about it. Some people say, oh, no, this kettle corn's better. No, this really is the best kettle corn this side of the Grand Canyon and it's just for you if you're new. Now, if you're not new, you don't get it. Sorry, uh, deal with it. Uh, but we are so thrilled to have you here. Hey, uh, this last Thursday, I emailed uh, our entire church uh, just some updates on things going on here in October. Also, we have been investing and kind of working on some uh, videos behind the scenes. And so if you are new in the last like two months, if you go to the discovery page, which is part of our next steps online or through the app, uh, we've got a brand new video we'd love for you to watch to kind of hear the heartbeat, what makes elements tick. We also have a welcome video. So if you were to open up the app, which I have right here, and you touch welcome, see how that works? It opens. And now there's an actual 90-second video that gives a snapshot of who Element City Church is, and I thought I would take 90 seconds and just show you. Is that okay? So here we go. As a church, we have a passion to reach people here in our city, to bring the hope and light of Jesus to the heart of our city, to see Jesus transform and encourage and move among his people. And you're a part of that. Uh, we have folks from all over the city who call Element City Church home. They're part of our family, and we've got room for you. So we invite you. Uh, join us Sunday evenings on site or online. Uh, be a part of what God is doing here. Everyone's welcome. Each one matters and you're invited. Welcome video that is actually available to you right there in the app. And I don't know if you know this or not, but if you click the share button, you can literally text this 
to anybody in the world. So you see how easy we've made this for you to be able to invite folks or to let them know about your church. Uh, so whether you're watching online or here, uh, this is some tools we're trying to help people. As you're having conversations, I know sometimes we're just out and about, have a conversation with someone, say, hey, you ought to check it out. Now you can actually say, hey, if I could give you a snapshot in 90 seconds of kind of what we are about, here you go. And they can, you can watch it, they can watch it on their own, and then maybe that's a way to, for you to, to follow up and invite them here. So... Uh, we'd love to have you in, encourage you to use that, uh, and we've just been working on these videos. So two more things before we get started. Uh, we start a brand new series tonight uh, called This Is The Way, looking at Micah 6.8. And Micah 6.8 is a verse that we want to challenge you to memorize here in the month of October. And we have these cool shirts that I'm modeling. Uh, and we have tonight, I'm giving away two shirts. You cannot buy these shirts. Someone will come up to me afterwards, they already have, and said, I'd like to buy a shirt. I said, well, we're not selling them. You can win them, okay? And we have 40 to give away. So over this month, we're giving some away, and here's how you win tonight. You showed up. That's, that's how you could possibly win tonight. So anyone wear a size medium, okay? Whoever grabs that. Anyone wear a 2X? There you go. That's how you win tonight. So... Moving forward, next week, how you win, you have to show up and, see, it's grace this week. See, it's nothing but grace. But next week, you have to have Micah 6.8 memorized. So if you have it memorized, you have a chance to win. Sound fair? Sounds good? Okay. All right. So, uh, again, thanks for being here, watching online. So if you would stand up with me, we're going to start with prayer. We kind of pray for our service for the next you know, 70 minutes that we're together, that God would be active. We also pray for the church of the week. We, we know that there's a million plus people in Tucson, and we can't reach everybody, but we need God's church to be active in reaching people who are searching for him, and he's searching for. And so we want to pray for Rincon Mountain Presbyterian Church tonight, and Pastor Phil, and we're asking God's blessing over them and our time together. So pray with me. God, we are grateful to gather together tonight. Whether we're in the house or from our house, we pray that your spirit would just move in our midst. We're inviting you to be uh, kind of interactive with wherever we are. We know everybody comes into this room and everybody tunes in, is at a different place and a different spot. And we're asking that your spirit would meet us in the ways that we need. Would you be active in our midst tonight, and would you specifically whisper to each heart here and each heart that's tuned in? We pray your blessing over uh, Pastor Phil and their church. We ask that you would continue to equip them and uh, that you would fund them, that you would utilize them to leverage uh, their church and the impact that they can have to reach people in our city. We pray that tonight would be a night as we worship you, as we look into your word, that you would mingle in our midst. We pray your deepest blessing blessing over these next few minutes together. And everyone said, amen.
feel Oh, there's nothing Better than you There's nothing I can see the light. 
feels like it's a battle. God, you're right there. You've gone in before us and you're there with us to sustain us, to uphold us, to do what needs to be done. So we just thank you, God. We just thank you for that. That's a profound thing that the God who created the heavens and the earth, who hung each and every star in its place, your word says you called them all out by name that same God knows me and loves me. So God, let us just sit in that truth tonight, that you are here, that you are with us. That's the kind of life we wanna live, God. That no matter what, we know that we can face any and every situation because uh, the battle belongs to you. And so that's my prayer for tonight, for whoever's in this room that's going through their battle, uh, whatever it is, Lord, would you comfort them? Would you strengthen them tonight? Would you uphold them, as your word says, with your righteous right hand? And that as Jack comes and shares from the word, God, that all of us, that we would be filled and fueled uh, to live the life that brings you glory, to live the life that you've called us to live, calling others from darkness into light, to know this Jesus who has transformed us and changed us, we want that for others. So Jesus, you're here, we love you. 
All of this is for you. It's to lift you up and to lift up your name on high. As we're saying, there's nothing that's better than you. Would that be true in these next few minutes that you just give us the ability to focus our hearts on what it is that you want to say to us so that each and every person who walks out of here tonight, they'll know that they've met with you. They'll know that they heard from you. And so if you're up for it, would you just take a moment to pray for yourself? Ask God to speak to you tonight in a profound way. Take a moment to pray for Pastor Jack. Ask God to speak through him, through his words, to anoint these words to be a blessing to all of us. Yeah, Lord, all of this, all of this, it's for you. It's for your glory. We love you. We trust you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We are, uh, you know, every Sunday we, we gather to, to worship, to put our attention in God's direction, and uh, we hope and we pray every Sunday that it, it is a kind of a refueling, a, a spiritual pit stop, if you will, for your life, no matter where you are in your spiritual journey. I know for some of you, you may be, maybe God's been tugging your heart and you're kind of just, just starting to maybe look back in his direction. For others of you, you've been walking with Jesus for a lot of years, and uh, but each one of us needs a fresh next step for us to engage in. And so if you're here or you're watching online, I want to invite you to, uh, if you open up the app, you can scroll down to sermon notes and you can actually follow along uh, with me as we kind of tag along and we begin this new series in the book. It's a small book toward the end of the Old Testament uh, called the book of Micah. And Micah is a prophet about 700 years before Jesus shows up on the scene. And uh, he's really trying to call the, the people of God, the nation of Israel, the people of God, back into alignment to a, a relational connection with their God. In a lot of ways, they had gone to a place of just... Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on, a lot of turmoil within the nation, a lot of outside forces and other nations that are actually getting ready to, to kind of take over. Uh, and, and this is kind of a, a challenging moment in the life of the people of God. Uh, and, and, you know, obviously Jesus is still 700 years away, and so the Messiah hasn't come yet, and, and the hope necessarily isn't there on the horizon. And yet into this scenery, this setting, uh, the prophet Micah has a word, and, and many words, and we'll kind of look at it in a generic sense, 30,000 foot view, but we'll kind of get specific around one verse that I think he's really trying to challenge the people then, and I think if we're honest, uh, the people of us now. Uh, that uh, there's something here, some handles for us to hold on to and, and things for us to wrestle with and things for us to, to kind of put our roots of our life into. And, and so we'll kind of unpack that a little bit tonight as an intro and then we're going to dive in uh, the next four weeks kind of looking at this and drilling down a little bit more. So, um, but before we get started, how many of you like commercials? 
one. Okay, so one of you uh, likes commercials, and that is probably why you skip over. Uh, how many of you stream things? You probably do that on purpose so you can fast forward through commercials and you don't have to deal with that stuff. There's really only a couple times in the world and a couple times in the season of life that we're all in that we actually like commercials. I would say the Super Bowl. Uh, we like commercials there because we figure, you know, people are paying $5 million for a 30-second ad. It's got to be pretty decent, right? So, like, I'll check it out. So, maybe there's commercials you like it during the Super Bowl. Uh, commercials, there are some that really capture my attention, and, and it's almost like they're enjoyable and, and horrifying at the same time. I'm talking about the pharmaceutical commercials. Uh, if you're familiar with the pharmaceutical commercials, it usually starts with like the beautiful scenery, and it's a it's a you know a good-looking person, and they're traveling through life, and maybe they've got some some challenges, right? And so they look like they're trying to work on their health, and they're trying to work on things, and they've got some other, and it's like this pharmaceutical drug is going to be the thing that really helps them move forward in life, and so it seems like they're making progress just from the outside, and then like the commercial is interrupted by like lawyer talk. Have you heard that? And like lawyer talk kind of in, and it's a person who talks really fast, and, and they say, you know, and the music kind of dies down a little bit, and the scenery kind of stops, and they say, may cause drowsiness and headache, explosive diarrhea. Like, the normal kind of diarrhea isn't bad enough. Okay, cold can cause depression, itch on your back that you can't reach, fear of clowns, running with scissors, unhealthy obsession with fire. You know, it's just, it may be these things, and it just rattles off, and you, you I, I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes I find myself rewinding, because I'm like, did that really say explosive diarrhea? And that guy saying that at church? That's weird. Um, but like, there are some times where they're just saying different things, and you're like, no, that can't be a sign. Like, possible death. Well, why would you take that drug? Like, just, like, possible death, like, that seems like, I'm going to skip that one. You know, it's just, there's lots of different things, and it's like this little lawyer talking. It's, it's like the fine print of the, of the commercial. And all of us get irritated by fine print. How many of you have a cell phone? So every so often, you realize that your cell phone uh, will update its contract or update its, its rules of engagement, right? And then they send you an email, or they send you a text on your phone that you open up, and then they tell you that you're to read and agree with all those things. Anyone ever read like the agreement that you're actually agreeing to? Because if you did, you know, maybe there's a couple of you that are like, you've got a lot of time to kill, and, you know, the idea of rolling through 12 pages of just really, really fine print, it's just exciting to you. And if that's true, then I'll pray for you. Uh, but, like, if that's you, hey, you, you do you. Um, but for most of us, we kind of skip through all that stuff, and we go for, where's that checkbox, right? Where's that checkbox? You've got to get that checkbox. Or if you've ever signed for a home, how many of you have signed and maybe purchased a home before? You know, there's like, I, I'm just going to, it's a safe estimate of maybe, I don't know, 120 pages of paperwork that you're signing, and you don't sign on everything, but like, and the person who's going through, they're like, here's, here's all the fine ones, we'll skip over here. Uh, and, like, and they just kind of roll through stuff, and you're like, wait, should I read that? I'm signing for a home for 30 years. Like, and they're like, no, you don't want to read it because it's boring. Uh, and it, Anyway. It's just, just page after page after page of fine print, and we're all annoyed by fine print. And I think sometimes we can get to places, or people can get to places, in their, their pursuit of religion, 
where it's almost like religion becomes fine print. And it becomes overly complicated, and it becomes something that becomes convoluted. And in a lot of ways, people can almost begin to push back against it because what they think is it's so much more than maybe what's being expressed or what they understand or how they see things. And so they can begin to see religion as fine print and confusion can abound in those, and it becomes really complicated for some. Like if people were to say, well, when it comes to Christianity, if someone were to say to you, so like all I have to do is believe in Jesus? Well, yes, yes, dot, dot, dot. Like, yes, like that is the truth of uh, believing, it's believing in Jesus and everything he did, but like instinctively deep within our heart, we kind of know, well, like by saying yes to Jesus, like there should be some kind of pivots in your life, there should be like some new actions or some instinctively we think there should be some other things. And so sometimes we just kind of add to that, yes, and maybe like, but also like love others, forgive those who hurt you, pray for those who persecute you, have joy, be patient, stay faithful, be gentle and humble, give to the hurting, tithe to the church, live in peace with others, serve, be kind, go to church, read your Bible, pray without ceasing, don't drink too much, confess your sins, and maybe drive the speed limit. <laughs> and in a lot of ways, like all of that's true, like even the speed limit, just reminding you that we're to submit ourselves under authority. But like this idea, like all that stuff is true, but at like first pass, we, we just wrestle with like, well, that just feels like fine print and like, yes, it's in the Bible and yes, it's in scripture, but like, is that really what I have to do in order to get God's attention and, and to get his approval and, and, and is it just Jesus Listen, here's the, if you're a person who's searching, it really is just Jesus. It's saying yes to him, to his life, his death, his resurrection. What he accomplished paved the way for you to have a right relationship with God. It isn't in the works that you do. Now, in saying yes to Jesus, there are some adjustments and some changes that he is going to want to do in your life. But it's the difference between salvation, putting my salvation in Jesus and what he did. He is, he's the one who rescues me. He's the one who saves me. And sanctification, which is just a big $10 word that basically says, here's what it means now to be a person who has submitted their life to Jesus and how that begins to change how you now live. And so it is yes, and it's, it's more than just yes, but this is where it can get confusing for people. And this is where it can become convoluted in some ways for those that are searching. And we ask ourselves, why do we do this? Why do we take all those things that I just read that are in the Bible and they are for us to kind of put into action, and why do we make them a list? You ever thought about that? Because we tend to do that. We tend to make lists out of things because if you are a doer in life, then most of you probably make a list at work. Here's the things I got to accomplish and you want to check them off and cross them out. And so you just want to roll through this. And in a lot of ways, we can begin to turn the Christian life and following Jesus into a list of some things and it can become convoluted. We know that we're called to these things, but they're not necessarily a list given in order to get God's attention. It's actually the way for us to become more and more living in the flow of how Jesus lived and how he wants us, as he said, follow me. 
See, for centuries, people have wrestled with, how do I get God's attention? How do I earn God's favor? And it has driven some to exhaustion. It's driven some to disbelief. It's driven some nearly mad, trying to figure it out on their own. But somehow, when Jesus says, hey, you follow me, I think what he means by that is much more of a watch and learn from me type thing than a self-created, self-monitored, to-do list kind of thing. It's live in the rhythm of how I live. Take my yoke upon you, Jesus, and learn from me. Not create this list and you go try to accomplish it. Just I want you to live in the flow of with me and we will accomplish these things because it'll just become more and more. And you're not trying to do this list in order to get God's attention. See, I think when it comes to a religious pursuit of just trying to get God's attention, trying to earn his favor in some way, shape, or form, things can go sideways really, really fast. You think back to early examples in the Old Testament. I think of Cain and Abel, the children of Adam and Eve, and they grew up outside the garden. They don't know what it is to walk in the cool of the day with their maker like their parents did. So they sought to bring an offering to God, and one went lavish with it, and one went really cheap. And God chose the lavish, and Cain was hurt by that, and he ends up killing his brother. And this story early on in humanity tells us there's a right way and a wrong way to try to connect with God, and we kind of think that, that there's something we have to do here. You think about the Tower of Babel, right? And how the people gathered around. They wanted to make notoriety and a name for themselves. They wanted to become like God, so they started building this tower. And all of human language was the same. And, and God recognized the effort that there wouldn't be much that they couldn't accomplish if working together in that, and so he confuses languages, and language become a thing. And you fast forward to the New Testament, right? And the Pharisees, they begin to take it up a notch. They received the Old Testament law from Moses, and, and so the people of God have got this law. But see, the point of what the New Testament writers say is the New Testament, the Old Testament law was to point you to the reality that you couldn't fulfill it all. It was to drive you to the point of you realizing that you couldn't do it on your own and you needed a savior. That was the point of the law. But the Pharisees said, no, we can do it. In fact, we're going to fulfill all the law, and in order to fulfill the law, we're going to make laws that help us keep the laws. And pretty soon they had like 603 laws. And they said, this, if we just live this way, then we'll get the attention of God, we'll earn his favor, and we'll work, and we will achieve what we want to achieve 603 laws. Could you do it? No. That's the point. They wanted to create laws in order to help and try to maximize their efforts. We will get God's attention through our efforts. There's a strange, strange collection of efforts all throughout history. In 400 AD, there's a man named Saint Simeon who also went to rather extremes to try to get God's attention, to, to say, I want to focus on him, and he joined a monastery at age 16. But that proved too worldly for him, and so he shut himself in a hut for three years and went the entire time of Lent without eating or drinking. And after this, he moved to the desert to imprison himself in a small cave. And yet, still too many people sought him out, asking him to pray for him. And so St. Simeon finally decided to withdraw as much as he possibly could. And he had a pillar built 50 feet in the air where he built a small platform to live out his days in solitude, where he would commune with God until his death. 
He stayed on the pillar for guess how many years? 36 years. And you thought a 70-minute service was long. 36 years. All in an effort, in some way, shape, or form, to kind of figure out the, this life of faith and how do I get God's attention? And the reality is the people of God get God's attention simply because he gives it. And he longs to be in this relational exchange. And not a set of religious rules of do's and don'ts, not a list of some format that you've got to accomplish and tick off in order to get. God says, I just love humanity, and my attention is on you. And I'm, I'm actually wooing you to be in relationship with me. And, and we'll figure this out. I know it's confusing. I know it feels like it's maybe overwhelming. But I'm for you. And I want this to be. And so I think throughout all of Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, God longs to be in relationship with his people. And sometimes his people get to places where they look for fine print, where they manufacture it, and pretty soon what happens in those moments is it moves from a relationship into this list of religiosity, uh, just a list of things that I do. And, and if you do that long enough, then you just kind of end up going through the motions. And you just kind of go on this pursuit of just living out, living into the motions, of trying to be religious, but not really having a relationship with the creator of you and the creator of all things. And so you create this distance, or you become bored, or you become overwhelmed. And either way, you're missing out on the relationship side of things. And so Micah, the prophet Micah, shows up, like I said, about 700 years before Jesus shows up on this scene. Uh, see, Micah kind of occurs, he's in the southern kingdom of Israel, we know there's the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, and, and he's speaking to Judah in the southern kingdom to the people of God who are there. We know the northern kingdom gets conquered, and then the southern kingdom is the last one to get conquered and taken over, but in this time period of about 750 uh, B.C. to about 650 or 686 B.C., this is kind of when Micah is on the scene, and he's criticizing the elite for enriching themselves through the oppression of the poor and the needy. His message is a, a message of warning and judgment, but it's also a message of predicting the future hope and deliverance that is to come. Mike is the one that predicts that Bethlehem will be the place where the Messiah is born 700 years later, and Jesus is born where? Bethlehem. And, and, and so this prophecy is put in place 700 years before it happens, and then it's confirmed. And, and so there is this whisper of hope through the whole book of Micah, and we're not going to spend our whole time in the entire book, but one of the, the passages here, Micah 3, verse 8, says this. It kind of summarizes what Micah was saying. I, I'm on the scene to do this. He says, but as for me, I'm filled with power, with the Spirit of the Lord, with justice and might to declare to Jacob. Jacob's kind of the southern this kingdom, the it's a nickname for the people of God, that, hey, you have transgression. To Israel, here's your sin. Here's what you're missing. Here's what you're missing the mark in. He's trying to wake up the slumbering people who have gotten stuck into just religiosity and going through the motions and settled into religious rituals that they're doing, but they're really out of practice and out of the rhythm of relationally focusing, of trying to live a with God kind of life. 
and they've just settled in, and it's gone sideways in the way they treat people. It's gone sideways in the way that they don't minister and actually connect with God. And he's challenging them to follow God, not by getting lost in the fine print that whether they manufactured or whether they made up or whether they just kind of heaped on like the Pharisees did. What he's saying is, like, just, it's not supposed to be complicated. He challenges them to follow God, not mentally, uh, not meant to be overly complicated, but trying to simplify things. In fact, in Micah 6.8, he simplifies it down to like three things. He says this is a very relational kind of thing in walking with God. And what does that look like? And how does that play out in the everyday reality of your life? And the kind of people that you become and the kind of people that you are to the people around you. It's not meant to be complicated. See, we scoff at the Pharisees and say, well, those guys are crazy. But the reality is we do the same thing. We like making lists. We're just, I guess that's part of the human condition. Because in a lot of ways, we, we want to check off the list. Hey, look, I'm doing it. In fact, I'm better than so-and-so. I do more on the list than so-and-so. And so we, we try to keep score in some ways, in a, in a weird, sick kind of way. We try to stack ourselves up in comparison, and we look over that. And we may not have 600 laws to try to keep everything and work out a relationship, but we, we turn biblical qualities into lists that we're to have. Hey, you're to love God, love people, follow the Ten Commandments, abide by the fruit of the Spirit, learn from the Beatitudes, pray without ceasing, cast all your fears on Christ, take every thought captive, watch out for your weaker brother or sister, and of course, listen to everything John said to the seven churches in Revelation. Like, we make lists of things all the time. And I think the prophet Micah then, and Jesus will live out what Micah talks about. It's just trying to simplify things. And I don't know if, I don't know if you're like me. I just like simple things. <laughs> I'm not a complicated person. And when it becomes simple, I, like I get it then. And it doesn't mean I don't like to think and challenge and, and grow, but. There's something, there's something beautiful about simplicity. And actually, I think it's harder to get things simple. It's easy to get things complicated. In fact, we kind of drift toward complicating things. And you have to fight to keep things simplified. And so these are certain inspired, authentic words of God for how we're to live. And they move from this life-giving if we let it drift toward complexity where it just becomes a kind of life sapping if we just keep adding lists to things. When bad things happen to us in life, we all have a tendency to react. And if we're honest, like if we're really honest, there's a lot of times things happen in our lives that we go, God, why did you let that happen? I've been going to church I've been, well, and when I miss, I watch online. Like, I've been doing what I need to do in order for you to bless me. And that's how we begin to spin it, right? I've been doing the list, God. Why, why did this unfold in me? Like, this should go to someone else, not me. I've been the good one. And we almost start to try to justify and start to say things. And I think that's why Jesus is cautioning us in the gospel accounts, as he says, listen, God causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Listen, God is not always fair, friend. 
And that's tough for people who like to cross things off the list and say, God will treat me fairly if I'm good with him, if I do all the things, then it'll be, he'll be fair to me. Listen, God is not always fair. And he gives to whom he wants, and he seems to be using a different playbook than just whoever keeps the most rules gets the most blessings. I don't know why that is, but I know it is. And my hunch is you do too. Because my hunch is you've been on the receiving end of some challenges. And it's caused you to actually stir up, God, why? And sometimes that question is an unanswerable question, isn't it? And we wrestle with that. See, the problem with trying to itemize and categorize a relationship with God is that we can't control God. We can't force his hand. And every now and then he reminds us it's what is frustrating to those who like to know, how do I succeed at this Christian thing? Because legalists and perfectionists like lists and rules so that we can control our lives, that we can control our blessings, and in some way we can kind of control our God. And friend, God will not be controlled. He's bigger than you, and he's bigger than me. And he doesn't work that way. But even though God may give lists at times, he is not controlled by lists. And so 700 years before Jesus, Micah shows up in this scene. And he's trying to draw people back to himself. And he gives this proclamation for us to look at in Micah 6, 8. And kind of like he's cutting through the fine print and trying to simplify things down. And I hope that you'll see these three simple phrases as liberating as we dive into him over the next few weeks. See, following Jesus is not always easy, but it was never meant to be complicated. It may not be easy, but it wasn't meant to be complicated. It's meant to be simple. I think the hidden gem in Micah's prophecy is that he's telling a wayward people, a people who drift toward complexity, who have a drift naturally toward wanting to make lists and, and, and to add fine print, to say, listen, you want to know how to get God's attention, how to have his favor, you've already got it. He's in your direction. He's for you. But in that, he's calling you to follow him. And this follow him thing is not create more lists and then you could check him off because you do it in your own power. This follow him thing is submit and surrender to his leadership over your life and actually watch the ways of Jesus and you just live more in rhythm of that. And as you do that, you'll accomplish these things that he talks about, changing your character and moving you through. See, Micah starts off in verse 6 of chapter 6. In the verses 6 and 7, he's saying, here's the setup to the verses he's going to give that get real simplified, the ones we're challenging you to memorize here. This is kind of the setup to the verse that we're asking you to memorize, asking ourselves to memorize. Here's the setup, the buildup. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Meaning, God, you're big, you're huge, you're set apart, you're different. How do I approach you? That's what Micah's wrestling with. Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Like, should I just bring tons of sacrifice to you, God? Is that how I get your attention? Is that how I get your affections, your favor? Do I need to do this? 
Will the Lord be pleased with the thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Like, if I were to go to the extremest of what I can do, is that what captures God's attention? Shall I offer the firstborn of my transgression, the fruit of my body, to the, uh, for the sin of my own soul? Like, human sacrifice, is that what's going to get God's attention? How do I get his attention? How do I gain his favor, meet his approval, and walk in his ways? What is he seeking from me? What must I do? This seems daunting. Like, what am I supposed to do, God, to get your attention? And into that, into a people who have a routine of life, into your life, your Mondays through Saturdays, your carpool days, the days where you got to bring the donuts to the work, the days where you're trying to run your kids to all their different activities, and you're like, how in the world do we have this many kids and this many activities, and like, how do we be in four different places at once into your normal days? I think we still wrestle with the same question. God, how do I get your attention? Do you even have your attention in my direction? My, my busy little life, I'm a speck in the universe. Do you even notice me? And how do I get your attention? We have these natural reactions. God, do you see me? Is it for me to bring sacrifice? God, if I go to church for six weeks in a row, if I take notes, if I finally put a little bit of money into the offering plate or give online, perhaps I do a Bible study or I decide to keep a prayer journal or maybe I try to stop swearing or drink a little bit less or I stay off those certain websites or I think, oh, you know what, for the next 30 days, every post I do on social media is going to be a Bible verse. Surely that will get God's attention. Friend, that's just a list. And you're going to make yourself tired and exhausted and you're going to give up, and you're going to find yourself in despair. Now listen, you should do maybe some of those things, but it's not to get something from God. He's already for you. And what he wants is for you not to have this religious, or, or this religious ritual that you go through. What he longs for you is to understand that he wants a relationship with you. And so he's made it clear to his people, something for them to know. It's actually simpler than you realize. And so Micah goes to sum this up, and he asks the question at the start of verse 8. What does the Lord require of us? What does the Lord require? The requirements of God have already been revealed to the people of God. They just need to live in it and live it out. And here's what he says, verse 8. The one we're challenging you to memorize. Have I made that clear? Okay. He has shown you, oh mortal. I just love that. He's reminding you. You're mortal. You're not God. Stop trying to take his job. Only he can do his job. He has shown you, oh mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly. To love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. All of Micah, lots of things in there, several chapters. If you wanted to sum up this book of the Bible in one verse, here it is. Let's cut out all the fine print. Let's skip so you can just check the box. He has shown you what is good. What's the Lord require of you? 
to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. See, Jesus is going to show up 700 years later. And what's so attractive about Jesus is he does this. It's just who he is. It's how he lives. And then he says to his disciples, to those that are interested about him, searching him out, he says, listen, follow me. Like, not in a list thing. I don't want you to make out, like, just, like, don't get out all the fine print. Just, would you just follow me? Would you just watch how I do things? And let that become more and more the rhythm of how you, do, how you act justly, how you love mercy, and how you walk humbly. It's a relationship thing. It's not this ritual thing. And so the prophet Micah is kind of calling us in our day and age to figure out what this looks like. It's exactly what we see Jesus doing. In fact, Jesus in Matthew 23, verse 23, uh, he, he's having a conversation with the Pharisees and he's challenging them. Woe to you who you've, you've combed out like the, this, you're tithing off the smallest of things and yet you've missed the bigger things of the reality and he actually kind of goes back to the reality of what Micah talks about here. You're missing the bigger reality of justice and mercy and humility. That's what I'm wanting you to get. Act justly, love mercy, walk humbly. It's what Jesus does, justice, mercy, humility. It's what he takes seriously. As a follower of Jesus, if that's what you call yourself or that's what you're interested in, Jesus just simplifies it and says, this is how I want you to live. I want you to follow me and walk in this relationship with me. So how do we do that? Like, how do we start a relationship with Jesus? Is it just by putting our trust in Jesus? Yes. Yeah, that's how it starts, actually. It starts with faith in him and what he did, that his life, his death, his resurrection paved a way for me to have a right relationship with the holy God. I can't do that in my own effort. That's why I don't need to keep a list. And the people who keep a list are trying to do it in their own effort, and they will wind up short of where they want to be. And they'll make Christianity or they'll make religion into these rituals that they have to do, and they'll miss the relationship that's offered. And so the relationship is offered through faith in Jesus. It's simply by saying, Jesus, I'm putting my trust in who you say you are, and that your life and that your death on the cross gave the forgiveness of my sins and your resurrection proved that God's check cleared and that you paved the way. And now when I settle into that, now, now and only now, have I been rescued in faith by you and now you're calling me to follow you. And it's actually simpler. I think it's why Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's not a list thing. I'm not going to whip out fine print here. I just want you to follow in the rhythm of me. How do we know? Well, Jesus on the cross said, it is finished. And so when he said that, he meant it is finished, period. Meaning you don't have to do anything. In fact, there isn't anything you could do, anything I could do, that could start a right relationship with God. It's simply by faith in him just like you put faith in that chair to hold you up. No one sat down and said, hope this chair works. You just sat down. You put your faith in that chair. That's what it means to put your faith in Jesus, what he did, what he accomplished, who he is.
And now, from that posture, now we're invited to begin to live out this life of following Jesus, which is actually, actually simpler than you think. It's not meant to be complicated. The statements of Micah, what he puts out, doesn't compromise or comprise the way of salvation. It is the way of sanctification. Jesus is the one who makes us right. And now, how do we bring heaven to earth? How do we live out the commandments? How do we live out the fruit of the Spirit? How do we love God and love people? Well, we act justly. We love mercy. And we walk humbly with God. It's exactly what Jesus did. It's what he invites us to. And that is what is left for you and for me to join in. And that's what we want to spend the next few weeks looking at. What does that practically look like in the 21st century? How do we live this out? So the rest of the month, we're going to spend time looking at Micah 6.8. So the challenge, real simply, if you would like to win a t-shirt, you don't have to win a t-shirt. I'll wear them all. Uh, but if you would like to win one, is to memorize Micah 6.8. In fact, uh, I think we have a picture here of a phone background that if you would like this phone background, all you have to do is text the word Micah 68. So like Micah, the word, and then the number 68. Text that to our text number, 520-340-6868. You just type that, and you'll get this phone background. You can have it on your phone everywhere you go. You can practice memorizing it so that maybe, just maybe, you'd be a winner next week winning a T-shirt for memorizing Micah 6.8. We're not meant to hold on to religious fine print. Jesus rescued you and saved you through grace if you put your faith in him. And now we're called to live this relational life with him, which is relational in nature, not ritualistic. It's where his character is being formed more and more into you and more and more into me. It begins to influence our every decision and actions that we take, not because we're trying to get a list in order to get God's attention or check a list off, but simply because we're being formed to be more and more like Jesus. And we're reformed to be more and more living the way Jesus would if he was in your shoes. And what if we, as the church, could do that? I think the world would take notice. Because I think the world is tired of lists. In fact, I think a lot of Christians are tired of lists. And my invitation to you and to me and to us this month is what would it look like to step into that rhythm of just walking with Jesus, to act justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with God. And as we relate with him and learn from him, it'll just become more and more second nature in how we now live like him. And so, Jesus, that's how we want to close tonight. Just a prayer of simplicity. God, maybe there's some of us here watching online or here in the room that we need to take 20 seconds and just do an inventory of our own life. Friend, as you take 20 seconds and an inventory of your own life, is there any fine print that you have been holding on to that the Spirit of God is saying to you, you need to let that go? That for some of you, you've been trying to perform or to do in order to get God's attention and favor. And I think maybe even tonight, he's just whispering to you, my son, my daughter, I got you. 
I'm with you. I'm for you. You don't have to produce in order to get my attention. You already have it. For some of you, those words just kind of wash over you different when you realize it's not about religious rituals or a Christian compilation of lists that you need to do, but simply a relationship he's asking you to enter into and re-enter into and re-enter into day after day. God, would you help me to live more and more like Jesus? Would you help me to relate with Jesus? To be in relationship with him, to see him, to hear him, to sense his nudge deep within, and just walk in that. So God, we lift up this month ahead as we look into this simple verse uttered so many hundreds of years ago and yet still prevalent, profound for our day and the season we find ourselves in, the moment of history that we reside in and call home. So Spirit of God, would you in this next month take us on a journey of refinement, of sifting through things that maybe we're holding on to we need to let go of, the complexity that we've made something of pursuing after you into the beautiful awakening of an understanding of, of the simplicity of what you're calling us to as, as Jesus, as you said, follow me. And that has far-reaching implications, but I don't think it's meant to be complicated. Maybe it's as simple as act justly. Love mercy. Walk humbly. So Father, in this closing song, would you stir our hearts afresh and anew? Would you maybe whisper to each one of us, whether at home or in your home here, our next step? Would you help us to memorize Micah 6.8, but not just memorize, but actually to internalize May this become a rhythm of how we live as followers of Jesus today, we pray.
a great night for you all uh, joining us and we're just so glad that you uh, decided to be here to worship with us tonight uh, so October is going to be a busy month if you want to grab a real quick sweet seat as we finish up there's a lot of announcements um, so first and foremost, we've got our food distributions come up uh, this week so uh, Friday uh, and you can keep playing Danny that was pretty that brings the spirit into the room bring him back that's right there it is right you feel that I get the feels every time it's like Yes. All right. Sorry. I'm kidding. Uh, yeah. So Friday morning, 830, Caring Ministries, we're going to pack food boxes because Saturday morning right here in the parking lot, same time, 830, uh, we're going to distribute those. So if you want a, a really quick way and an easy way to get involved uh, in serving the community, that's a great way to do it. So uh, Friday morning, 830, Caring Ministries, Saturday morning, 830, right here. Be one of the two or both. I don't care. I'm not judging. Either way. Uh, we've also got the 24th. We've got a tailgate party coming up. So uh, you'll see more information about that in the app. We've also got the fall festival. So what are we doing for that? We're collecting a bunch of candy. Isn't that exciting? So you'll see the orange boxes that are out in the, the foyer, I believe it's pronounced. Uh, the foyer or the narthex. I like that one. That's the Presbyterians. They call it the narthex. So out in the narthex, you're all like, what is that? I don't even know either. So in the foyer, there's a, a big orange box. Bring candy. Uh, all this month, we're going to be collecting that candy. So grab a couple bags, bring it in uh, as you're shopping, and we'll do that as well. Um, cool. Uh, we've got one more shirt here. This one's a size large. Is anybody, oh man, there were a couple hands that like went straight up. They were super stoked about that. So I was hoping someone in the balcony might want that. Hmm, let's do this. We'll go short, I'm left-handed and that's the left side. There it is. That's right, you've been clapping all night. Now they get to clap for you. How about that, right? That's right, he gets his moment, amen. All right, so that's it. Uh, let's all stand together real quickly. I just want to pray to dismiss us again. If you're new and you want to um, uh, go get the best kettle corn that is south of the Grand Canyon, go see Jack at the back at the 10-minute party. Otherwise, uh, yeah, Lord, we just thank you for tonight. We just pray your blessing, your favor over everyone who's here. And so my prayer for them tonight, God, is just as they commit this verse to memory, it's not just for a T-shirt. Uh, they're committing it to memory because we want these words written on our heart, God, that we want to be people of justice. We want to be people uh, who seek justice and yet still love mercy and love showing mercy to other people. Uh, and most of all, walking humbly with you, Lord. And so uh, would you give us just uh, the wisdom on how we can begin to live that type of life, God? We can't do it outside of your power, out of your spirit. And so would you just be with us this week? Would we be people who, who choose to live a life with you, God, being the center of all that we do? So we pray it all in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen.